that's it. We're here. Here we are. Here we are for the 10th episode. The 10th episode of the Fusion Underground. Welcome back. I can't believe we've been doing this for 10 weeks straight now. It's pretty cool. We, we haven't been kicked off yet. So either we're, uh, we're not making that much of an impact or not enough people are paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who knows, right? Yeah, that's right. It's six of one half dozen of another. That's okay. It, it allows us to keep going. So <laughs> I'm not well, going to bucket yet. <laughs> well, this is episode 10 of the Fusion Underground. And what we do here is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. I'm your host as always, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by my brother and good friend, Jason Moret. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, yeah, now we're here. So here what, we what we're going to be talking about later in the episode, later in the episode is, um, it's actually kind of an interesting one, I think. Uh, we're, the topic for today is, is there a place for God in today's society? Not that we're, we're both trying to become monks or anything like that, but I think it's a question that deserves to be <laughs> picked around a little bit. Um, but for those who are unaware, so actually, I want to just take a moment and let's talk about why we're doing this whole podcast. I mean, I kind of went through that little spiel just a second ago, but uh, when we started this, one of the ideas that we had was to do the show in seasons and um we kind of laid out our roadmap for the first 10 seasons or i'm sorry for the first 10 episodes and we called that our first season and so we are now officially at the end of our first season and our first the purpose of the, the season was to kind of lay out our our values and our principles and have that kind of a discussion around values and principles and then uh the next season, season two, we would start getting into more focused topics, maybe about whether it's uh, current events or news items or popular culture, those types of things. We start talking about those things, but using the, the principles and values that we sort of laid out in season one as a lens through which to see all of these other stories or content, whatever. Right. Right. So at least that's the original the original plan. We're sort of going by that plan, I guess, and then we just kind of adapted as we go. But um, so we're at the end of season one, and we don't really have a plan for season two yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> we're working on that. Not yet. We're working on it. Um, we will be back next week with another episode. Of course, we're not going to skip a week. We're going to have some yeah. some interesting stuff. But we're going to be working on um, the theme for our season two. And each season, what we would like to do is have a theme for that season and try to explore different topics related to that particular theme. So, and uh, we're, we're going to be working that out. Next week, we're, we're going to sort of freestyle, do an episode of freestyle and uh, come up with just a bunch of stuff to talk about and have fun as always. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be good. We're, we're going to, I guess, do a, a little bit of our, our summer series. I think we're, we're yeah, yeah. lovingly referring to it where... Maybe a little less structured, but um, a little bit more freeform and um, 
kick off next season with that theme and, and again, building on that foundation that we've already set up of who we are, what our values and principles are, so that we can discuss potentially difficult topics um, from a base uh, rooted in values and principles. And I think that's important. Um, otherwise, yeah. you just have two random guys talking about God knows what from coming from who knows where. Yeah, exactly. So okay. hopefully um, this season we've, we've laid out at least an idea for all of you who we are and, and where we're coming from and we, we try and look at these things. So. Yeah. So to kick all this off, I do have a couple of things that I wanted to show you that are a little fun, nothing too, uh, too outlandish here. So we haven't had much in the way of sports this year. Right. Um, but this is a great clip. I saw this earlier in the year. I think this has to be my, my favorite, uh, my favorite, for lack of a better term, sporting clip. For those who are <laughs> not watching on uh, YouTube or BitChute, um, this is like indoor bowling, I guess. It, it looks like indoor bocce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's bocce ball. I don't know. I've never played bocce ball. Um, World Indoor Bowls Championships. That's what the sign says behind this guy. So there's a guy here. He's holding a little ball in his hand. A little. It's larger than the palm of his hand. Um, and uh, this is a pretty amazing shot. I mean, there are pretty some pretty amazing shots in basketball and golf. Uh, but this one's pretty amazing. And uh, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll play this for you so you can take a look at it. Call it these guys you wouldn't expect to miss either, to be honest. Well, he's very close to splitting the two red balls and getting to the jack. That's what the target is. Oh, look at this. Oh, that is ridiculous. That is just so good. It is ridiculous. What a ball. That was outrageous. That's insane. So I, for, he, he threaded <laughs> one, he threaded his ball like right between two red balls, but he did it from what is that like fifty feet away? Yeah, at least. And, and then he had to curve yeah. it in there. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. It, it actually reminds me of um, um, what's that? When where they're they're sliding and brushing the the curling, curling almost to yeah. a point. Except yeah. uh, you're you're not trying to I think knock anybody out. You're trying to actually get closer to another little yellow ball, or they call it the jack. Um, I think you know more about this than I do. No, I I just heard it. They said uh, he's gonna <laughs> hit, he's going going for the jack, and that's uh and it looks like those balls are definitely weighted, um, so oh, they yeah. can actually yeah. sit straight up, and that's how that it's that was impressive knowing absolutely zero about indoor bowling tennis or whatever mm -hmm. the heck this is for all mm -hmm. watching yeah exactly so you know with without a lot of sports this year that's pretty much the best that we can uh that we can hope to achieve i think and that's pretty uh pretty impressive so i have another question that's for you now so obviously that wasn't like a funny one like we had uh last week with the costco guy farting into the right uh, right right you know into the, um, the overhead, thinking about whoever's going to be putting their mouth on it to announce cleanup on aisle five here recently. <laughs> you know? That's uh, that's gnarly. So have you been wearing masks when you go in out into public? No. 
Okay. No. Okay, so you know, with COVID going on um, all around the world, there are, you know, there are people who are, are just fanatical about wearing masks, and they're fanatical about other people wearing masks. And so this is a little video. Some ladies went into a grocery store. I think it's a grocery store, and uh, realized they had forgotten their masks. So watch the ridiculousness that uh, that occurs here. I'll uh, resume share here. So they come in, got the masks. Oh my God. <laughs> so for those <laughs> Yeah, you need to describe to what just one. happened. So there's like four or five ladies walk into a grocery store, realize they didn't bring their masks. So they're all wearing these, these sundresses. And so all of them just, well, they take their panties off and put it over their faces. <laughs> I hope nobody farted. <laughs> That's how you get uh, foot and mouth disease right there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or pink eye. <laughs> You know, you, you, you laugh, but now now they're saying that pink eye is one of the uh, one of the uh, symptoms of having COVID. I read that today. Um, I actually did hear something like that, and it's not pink eye. It's not pink eye. Oh no, they re they referred to it as pink eye. I'm sure they did. Um, mm -hmm. There, there's actually been some. You know what? The the more I talk about it, the more it lends credence to the fact that it's actually out there. But which is kind of dumb. There's actually a redness around the outside of the eye, unlike pink eye where you get pink um, in the white or conjunctivitis. This is actually outside of that area. Um, it's, it's a common side effect of respiratory distress is the truth. Right. Um, so any kind of respiratory, even in a cold, if you have a severe cold, you'll notice around the outside of your eye, it gets red because sure. you're, you're actually, especially coughing a lot, you know, you ever coughed and blown a blood vessel in your oh, eye? Yeah. yeah. Well, same idea. So you well, actually rupture those capillaries around there and it's, that's what that is. But. Well, Sam, I'm glad you explained that because um, I think this is just further evidence of how much the media gets stuff completely wrong. Um, because today there was a news article saying, showing the different types of, of symptoms that people can have when, when they have COVID. And they literally listed pink eye as one of the symptoms. Now, what you're describing is not pink eye. Right. But when you say pink eye, that means something very specific. Correct. That's a very specific thing. When you say, well, I have pink eye or you have pink eye, that means something. But having redness around the eye, that is not pink eye as, you know, the, the right. disease or illness, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the viral infection. No, that's like saying that um, if you have a, you might have a flu if it burns behind your ears when you pee. <laughs> They're not related. <laughs> it does. It, it, there's there's no logical sense in any of that. Um, pink eye has nothing to do with coronavirus. Now, right. if you're going to tell me that that there's uh, redness, swelling, and or busted capillaries around the eyes, as in any respiratory symptom, that could be a symptom or side effect of pink eye. Yes, absolutely, or of, of uh, COVID. Okay, sure. 
That's like saying if you have COVID, you most likely have a cough. Right. It doesn't mean that because you have a cough, you have COVID. And that's that's the part that really starts it just about the way the media portrays some of this stuff. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have somebody who wakes up tomorrow and they, they're going to look and go, oh my gosh, my eyes are red. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I mm-hmm. saw on the news that if I have pink eyes, then that means I have COVID and I'm going to die. Because I also saw in the news that if you have COVID, you're going to have to go into a hospital, have to be put on an event. They're going to ship me out to some ship and put me out to sea, and I'm going to die away from my family in the Gulf of Mexico along with everybody out of the nursing homes. I mean, that's how stupid that stuff gets, and it happens quick. And the media has to understand that they've got a responsibility higher than anybody else to try and keep the public informed correctly. And that's what upsets me anymore it's first social media they get up uh their teeth into something that seems juicy they bite into it tell everybody what it tastes like without even looking down to see what they just ate it's you you've got to pay attention to what the heck you're doing and it's it's completely irresponsible well and i think that's just further proof of 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 how terrible the media actually can be um now this is a prime example of here's the media play, you know, reporting something that is completely inaccurate and untrue by saying pink eye is a symptom of COVID. And that's something that most people could say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Let me, uh, you know, let's, let's think about that or let's research that a bit more. Now, if that is that, if that is happening in this one instance with relation to pink eye, imagine all of the other stories that people don't really know much about. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they have very little knowledge to begin with. And so they're relying on the media to give them, to give them the information. And if, if we can look at a, at a piece of reporting and say, well, that is absolutely ridiculous. Imagine all of the other reports that they also get wrong because, mm-hmm. the, because this isn't just the one time or this isn't the one time they got something wrong. They're always doing these kinds yeah. of things. And it becomes that much more difficult to detect when you don't really know much about the background or the history of a particular topic. And, and well, and the other part of it is they're never forthcoming about admitting in, imperfections. If, um, if I were to turn on the news tonight, and I don't pick a channel because it doesn't matter, um, and the first two minutes were them actually going over the retractions of how they misreported stories the previous night or even two nights, that would be at least something, but they don't. And, and I don't care who it is, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, if, if pick one. If they ever print or state a retraction saying that they actually misrepresented facts, whether um, on purpose or completely by accident, you know where you might find it? In the editorial section about nine clicks away from the front page of their website, if you see it because they don't publish that out. And, and they've made some serious mistakes in a lot of areas and most people have no friggin' clue. Well, since we're, since we're talking about this, uh, cause I wanted, to, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about this because I think, I think things are be getting really ludicrous out there in terms of this whole COVID thing. Here's an example straight from, from Phoenix. So Phoenix, the Phoenix mayor, her name is Gallegos, she appeared on uh, MSNBC just yesterday, as a matter of fact, and listen to what she had to say about the COVID pandemic 
here in Arizona, at least in Maricopa County, which is where Phoenix, uh, Phoenix is located. It has been such a tough situation out here. I have constituents who waited eight hours, 13 hours to get a test. And you know, many people won't wait that long unless they desperately need one. It is quite hot. We are predicting temperatures that could hit 107. No, hold on just on, on this one, one second. Look at this, look at this scene here. There are, there's like 20 cars here waiting in two different lines to get up to some tents mm -hmm. where they're supposed to get a, a, a COVID test. Right. Um, and this is downtown Phoenix. This is in the background here. You can see the old dial building. So I think this is, this has got to be right around the fairgrounds. Um, and I think these are tents going into the fairgrounds. I usually have something like this when you're trying to get onto the parking, the parking lot at the um, Arizona state fairgrounds. I have no idea if this is actually for COVID testing or if this it is, is. So it, it is. Yeah. These are, these are one of the many um, mobile testing sites, the drive through sites that they put around town. I've actually, we had two of them up here. Um, in Flagstaff and you do drive through now initially when they first started to do this you had to have a referral from your physician you, nobody could just drive up you had to actually have a doctor's note which basically stated that you were symptomatic enough to warrant the test um, they have since opened that up and they do those in waves I think they they here in Canino County they've got two operating on the weekends so that you can go and drive through um, so those little pavilions that they've got set up, you go through, you register, you, you, they shove that Q-tip way down the back of your, your nose and uh, say, thank you very much. Have a nice day. And off you go. Yeah. And yeah. you are usually told to um, stay home, quarantine in place until you get the results, uh, your test results, um, which most of those have been, a lot of them have been the rapid or considered the rapid test. And that's a same day turnaround. Um, and it can be anywhere from eight to 12 hours to get the results, not to stand in line. Um, or the official testing, which is actually has a, has a much better reliability rate as far as accuracy goes, is a three-day usually turnaround at the lab. Right. But what I want to point out here is Arizona is now considered a hot spot for COVID mm -hmm. because there have been spikes in, in cases. And, and I think now we're, in a, we're seeing a situation where the media is blowing this out of proportion. And we're going to finish showing what, what the mayor talked about because I haven't even got to the juicy bits yet. But, um, but with everybody, with the media hyping this so much, I think there's a tremendous number of people who have anxiety about this. Yeah. And they're going out to get tested if they wake up and they feel just slightly under the weather, they might, they might fear that they have of COVID and so they're rushing to get tested um, and it's overloading the system in some cases. And, and I would even be willing to say maybe there are situations where places here in Maricopa County where people are waiting eight to 12 hours to get a, to get a test. Um, especially if you were to go to the emergency room, you're gonna wait forever just to get through the emergency room because it's so bad here. Just, and that's, that has nothing to do with COVID, that's just, a typical night in Maricopa County going to an emergency room. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, have to, you have to wait a long time. Uh, but now we've got, I think we have a tremendous number of people who are flocking to get tested for their own uh, anxiety purposes. And 
and people are people are freaking out over this. Mm-hmm. I think people are really if if you are in a car at the Arizona State Fairgrounds to get a COVID test, then you can't be that sick. Because if you really were no, not that if you're gonna wait sick, in your car in 107 degree temperatures and no, you're not that you're you're right. not that sick. <laughs> because if you were that sick, you would go to the hospital. Right. So everybody in these vehicles who wanting to, who are wanting to get a test, they can't be that sick, um, and that's what I find is a bit egregious in all of this because I think the media hype is so bad that people are freaking out. So let's let's listen a little bit more on what the mayor had to say. It hit 117 degrees this weekend. Maricopa County, which is our county public health agency, just announced that they are going to be getting refrigerated trucks because the Abrazo healthcare system has run out of morgue beds. It is very. Oh, so she just said, <laughs> and Abrazo is a, is a chain of hospitals here in Maricopa right. County. Yeah. So the Abrazo hospitals. So she just said that Abrazo hospitals are full at, at morgue bed, at morgue bed capacity, which means they don't have, according to the mayor, there are not enough beds to put, the deceased in. So people are dying in the hospitals and filling up the morgues. And so she just said that they're ordering, they're bringing in refrigerated trucks. Now, the Arizona Republic here, the newspaper here in Phoenix, actually investigated this story. They went and they talked to Abrazo officials and the Abrazo officials said, she's full no. of crap. Yeah, that's a bunch of, that's a bunch of BS. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, sorry. What, what actually happened what actually happened was several weeks ago, in fact, about a month and a half, two months ago, the hospitals here in the Valley, fearing that there could be a potential spike, were told to enact their emergency procedures regarding an epidemic. Part of those emergency procedures was to call in refrigerated trucks early in case they are needed. And so Abrazo went online and said with the Arizona Republican said, yes, we initiated the emergency procedures. We ordered the trucks, but nothing has been deployed yet because we're not at capacity for the morgue. So the mayor just flat out lied. Either she flat out lied or somebody fed her terrible information. And then she went on national television and looked like a fool. Yeah, Um, I agree with the latter. I don't believe she flat out lied. I don't believe she cared enough to get the facts from the hospital herself. She had somebody said, well, oh, yep, the, the hospital is, they're getting refrigerated trucks because they're not going to have, they don't have enough place to put all of the dead bodies. You know, the, the fact of the matter is there's part of that that's actually true. They have refrigerated trucks ordered to be delivered up here should that happen that's not happening it's not happening but nobody bothered to actually check that far and i'm sorry but this is the mayor she should have made dang good and sure what she's reporting before she goes on the friggin news but right especially when it comes to this covid stuff nobody's fact checking a damn thing and it's right. getting really friggin' old. And this is what ends up happening. This is the kind of things, so I'm gonna play a different video for you. And this is the kind of thing that ends up happening because of the panic inducement that uh, politicians and the media are 
perpetrating on the, the general public. Now, this is a video here. We see uh, a heavyweight gentleman in an aisle, and I believe this is at a Walmart, not here in Phoenix. I'm not sure where this was actually filmed. Um, and we can see his feet. We can't see his head in the video just yet. Uh, but on the floor, on the tile, there's a green sticker. And if you look closely, you can see that there's an arrow on that sticker. And, and I, you may have seen these in other stores and grocery stores or something like that, where they're trying, to, they're trying to force people to walk a certain way down an aisle to keep traffic moving so that people can social distance and stay away from one another. Um, so let's watch this particular video because this is the kind of craziness that this hyped up reporting of COVID is creating. You take a picture of me. Does that make you feel better? Why don't you get a life, lady? Dude, I have a life. No, and that's going around taking pictures of yes, people? Yes, Now, just so that everybody's clear and those who can't see the video, he's not wearing a mask. He's not wearing a mask. And so that's why this woman is filming, filming him. We can't see her because she's filming him with her phone. What I you're doing? So Can you not follow you. the lions on keep, the floor? Keep your mouth running. The governor, the, running. the mayor is asking us all no, to wear a mask. And look at you, not wearing a mask. Oh dear. I wear a mask to protect myself. It's a fucking political. It's a she just said she wears a mask to protect herself. <laughs> mm. We've been over this numerous times. Mm -hmm. When you're wearing the mask, it's not to protect you. No. In, in fact, this doesn't protect the wearer. It doesn't protect the wearer because the virus, it can still pass through the cloth that is the, the bandana or whatever the hell she might be wearing around her face. She's not wearing an actual filtration system. I can pretty much guarantee you that, even though I can't see her, but that's pretty much safe, safe, a safe bed in Vegas at this point. So she's not wearing, you don't wear the mask to protect yourself. You're supposed to wear the mask to limit, to reduce the spread of the virus by talking and your saliva flying six feet, 12 feet away from you. It's the same thing of if you have a cold or a flu, you're supposed to cover your mouth and your nose when you sneeze to keep those particles from flying out and you know flying 12 feet across the room. Um, and, and so this is the kind of craziness, but it gets better. Unbelievable. Now you have accosted me in this store. You it's not a wall that I got to wear a mask. And if you're going to keep the So he accosted her by not maintaining social distancing and not wearing a mask. Can we can we listen to ourselves here? Okay. Now, I don't know if you All caught right. it, but uh, there's I'm another gonna, woman who I'm walked back back here in the back behind him. And she's going to get into this in just a second. This up, maybe we'll get the police department hey, in mom, here. Hey, mom, why you call 911 then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, another one. You people are like <laughs> monkeys falling out of a tree. No, you're the monkey that has it. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell Dragging you those knuckles that you've not involved. Ass, okay? I love the double birds, man. He <laughs> Yeah. So the other woman behind him started filming. <laughs> I think it was her daughter because I think she says, "Yeah, mom, call the cops, call 911." And that's when he said, "Oh, look, another monkey." 
um, and he flips them the double bird. Hey, how's that grab you? Ever heard of Darwinism, evolution, evolve, mister? Me. Why, why don't you burn something down? Why don't you go back to where you yeah. are? Why don't you need to evolve? Burn burn. Monument down or something, you know? You must be the one who's... Are you burning crosses? Are you burning crosses? <laughs> so we went from your walking... Are you burning crosses? <laughs> we went from your walking the wrong way down the aisle to you're not wearing a mask to you're burning crosses. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And you know what? That none of this is surprising me. It's not surprising me. This is the kind of crap that people are dealing with right now. Cause honestly, you've got one side of the freaking country so hyped up in a, a false narrative and the other side, absolutely fed up with it. I mean, this is, this is a microcosm of what's going to be coming. I'm telling you that it's it's getting ugly out there. It's getting real ugly. And and here's 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 a, another another uh, interesting little tidbit around all of this. So first of all, she claims to be wearing a mask to protect herself. So why even bother engaging with the guy if she thinks he's out here spreading the virus? She's obviously protected in her mind because she's wearing a mask. Two, had she just gone about her business. She never would have gotten into an altercation with this guy, verbal altercation with this guy, but instead she whips out her phone, starts recording him, gets into this yelling match with him, and in a fraction of that time, she could have just walked the other way and been out of the aisle. Not to mention, well, how, crazy, how but, crazy are we, how, are we getting that the, our first uh, interaction with people is to whip our phones out and record them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I believe it was the mayor of New York, if I'm not mistaken, who was the one who actually called on his citizenry to turn their neighbors in for not obeying the quarantine and social distancing requirements that were in place back in March. Am I wrong? I mean, am I incorrect in that? Pretty no, sure. No, you're that. absolutely. You're, yeah, you're yeah. right. So why are we surprised when that actually happens? And why are we surprised? I'm surprised this hasn't gone to the ground yet. <laughs> yeah, and here's, a, here's a, another, I mean, this is just juicy. So, you know, several, let me, let me see. This was um, back in April. Back in April, CNN was in a tizzy because uh, President Trump was talking about uh, hydroxychloroquine i think i'm pronouncing that correctly and um and the media went nuts over that saying and here's a here's an image from cnn's own twitter feed they said over the past few weeks president trump has made several erroneous statements related relating to hydroxychloroquine studies these are the facts and then they and then they listed them out and just this or last week last week cnn had to uh, basically eat crow because they had to report on a study that found that hydroxychloroquine helped coronavirus patients survive better. I'm sure that must have been really painful for somebody like Jake Tapper, who tweeted this out from CNN, uh, to actually report that. I um, don't think that was painful for them at all. I don't, I don't think that was painful for them at all. If, if, they actually said, you know what, maybe some of those statements that the president said were not so erroneous. This study finds that actually hydroxychloroquine is having some positive effects. 
that would have been painful because the fact of the matter that they know full well, nobody attention to anything they have said two weeks ago or late or beyond. And so now they can just say, well, it is what it is. Look what we found. Well, yes, but I think it pained them to re actually recognize whether or not they printed it. They didn't say that the president was actually right, but you have to know as well as I do that they had to have those talks and people were thinking, oh, now we have to report on this new study. We have to throw that out there because they're not dumb. The people at CNN are not dumb. They know what they've done. They know the kind of they know the kind of craziness that they've been that they've been screaming about from the raptor the rafters and what's the problem with all of this is just because the orange man is who's bad just because the orange man was taking hydroxy as prescribed by his doctor they went out of their way to talk about how erroneous that was they ginned up the public half of the public to actually come out against hydroxy and there were people all across this country screaming on social media that hydroxy didn't do anything for COVID. And now they're having, and now people are just completely silent on the fact. This is the problem that I have with, with a lot of the way that, that Americans pay attention to the media is they don't just stop and think. They don't stop, they don't take the time to put aside their, their bias or just to put aside their anger or their negativity toward a single person and and just think about that for a minute even when they're getting mad because the president said something they're not pausing to say well my anger let me put that aside for a minute let me look at this um and try to think about this from from a variety of angles and so now we have cnn reporting that hydroxy is a is an actual uh, benefit to covid patients and yet no on social media dead silence dead well, silence yeah. from people yeah, and again, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know you think that that pains them. I, I think they've got carte blanche in their minds to basically say, well, news changes on the turn of a dime, and we don't have to apologize for anything that we reported um, before because it was right, or at least as most right as we could uh, determine at the time, and we just report the news as it develops going forward. And they get a path. All of them, all of them. Um, if you ask a, 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 a hundred of we'll just pick on CNN since we're doing that right now um, of their most loyal viewers mm -hmm. who are probably over 65 retired and all day. Um, do you think that more than 10% of them even remember that CNN said anything about hydroxyquine back for this? Probably not. They may have heard that. They, you know, I think I heard something about that, but I don't remember what it was. Well, see, I, I have a slightly different take because I follow a lot of people on social media, of which you do not. And so I remember the, the sheer vitriol that people held when you even mentioned hydroxychloroquine. And people were, I mean, they were ferocious on social media and they were lashing out at their fellow Americans by uh, about being anti-science that the hydroxychloroquine doesn't show it doesn't prove anything and if you believe it you're anti-science and you shouldn't be believed and you should be silenced and you shouldn't be talking and this is equivalent of hate speech and oh my gosh you're going to kill people 
because you're going to give them the hydroxy because we had the the full i think he was even here from from arizona right he ingested hydroxychloroquine but he actually ingested the 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 wrong not the not the medical version mm -hmm. of it the version yeah. that goes in in swimming pools that is clearly right. labeled as toxic yeah and he died from that and and people were using that as an as an as a reason to say don't listen to trump he's anti-science if you believe him you're anti-science all this crap all of that mudslinging was happening on social media and it was very it was highly vitriolic mm -hmm. and now this comes out and absolutely dead silence and it's appalling to me that people can't the people are treating each other this way because they're so caught up in the emotional aspect of the story that they can't for five seconds pump the brakes yeah no and th this is so emotionally driven fear driven response everything that we have done to try and quote unquote prevent and protect from COVID is so far beyond actual science behind how diseases work how they're transmitted and covid is one of them and i'm i'm sorry most people out there aren't gonna like that but too damn bad um you know isolation of the sick is a way to stop the spread of a disease so if you are sick you are supposed to isolate from others that will stop the spread of that so if you are sick that's why you wear the dang mask so that you isolate that spread to the host not to everyone else you don't wear a mask to to keep from catching anything that's not how isolation works that's not how that's not how the spread of disease works and I believe way the frick back when you and I first started talking about COVID, I said that social distancing is a big crock of fooey. It is absolutely 100% unproven. Matter of fact, it actually got its origin out of a science fair project by a high school teenager who was looking at how to stop the spread of diseases within schools. And it was a theory. It's never been proven. But nobody wants to look at the science behind that i'm just going to say well we need to do everything possible to prevent everything and we're going to take it above and beyond and it's this is what happens you get people further and further panicked and panicked and more and more and more and more and more this tower of uh, of craziness is going to break and it's close well and i've been saying for weeks that we don't even really know what COVID even looks like in the United States or even worldwide for that matter. We, we, we just don't really have a clear picture on what this actually means. And um, I mean, here's an, here's an article that I found from NPR, NPR of all places. And the NPR wrote an article wow. okay. saying that the way the CDC has been reporting numbers on COVID it's completely wrong and they're and the cdc is likely going to paint a picture that is not accurate with regard to covid and if we are going to have if we're going to protect those the most vulnerable in our society and if we're going to do anything about covid if there's even even if even if there's anything we can do 
about COVID, then we have to have a clear picture of what the problem actually is. And we don't have a clear picture. And, you know, what, what NPR reported on is that the CDC has been combining their tests, serology tests, as well as viral tests. And the reason why that's, that's a problematic is because the viral tests are for people who are sick to see if they have COVID, but serology tests are done to see if you've already had it, Correct. but no that's longer your, have that's it. That's the, the antibody test. The antibody test. Mm-hmm. And what the CDC has been doing is they've been combining those numbers mm-hmm. and they're painting a very false picture. They're painting a, a picture that is uh, completely unrealistic and in addition to that, when you go get tested at any location, let's say if you, if you were to go get tested today mm-hmm. because you think you're sick, you could be, let's say your, the results come back negative. And then next week, you're still not feeling good. So you go back and they say, well, we're going we're gonna to test you again because now you're seeing different health, healthcare officials, whatever. They don't know. Maybe now you've contracted it. Maybe now we can test for it. So they're going to test it again. And so guess what? That gets reported as two different, as two different um, testing that has been done on COVID. But you're only one person. Right. And so we're not breaking those numbers down. And so because people are salivating over the number of tests, they're salivating over the number of positive tests. Some of those positive tests could be retests of people that are still sick. We don't know. That's we have no idea. No, I, 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 I know that for a fact. It's... You think if um, there are a thousand tests administered per day in Arizona, let's just say, um, and then two days later, there's another thousand tests. Well, that's not 2000 people. That's 2000 tests given. Right. Um, I can tell you that in my um, job right now, I have seen many people who have had um, anywhere from one to eight, I think was the highest one. I saw somebody who had eight COVID tests done. All negative, but eight. I mean, so <laughs> does that mean that we did um, we tested not, uh, eight different people? No, we had one person. So I, I don't believe any of the data that's being reported right now. Very, very little of it. Uh, I have to rely a little bit more on some personal experience um, and correlating that with some of the professionals that I work with, and actually looking at, at raw data from uh, from source gathering. I don't trust the CDC and I sure as heck don't trust the the World Health Organization, not one bit. Well, and it also begs the question of if you go get tested and it takes a few days, if if you go to the emergency room, for example, they're going to test you, but it will take a few days before you get those results back. And when you, if you are sick and they do the test, then they'll, they just, they're discharging people stating that they are presumptive positive with COVID. They're presumed to be positive with COVID, but they don't know that they're positive with COVID. And in fact, I know somebody who has gone to the hospital, who had the test done, who was discharged with the presumption of being COVID positive because they were sick. They were told to isolate for 14 days uh, and the test came back negative. Um, But I don't believe that the, I don't, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would be, I would be amazed if they are actually correcting the statistics from presumptive positive to not positive. No, 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 absolutely not. Matter of fact, um, again, firsthand experience ran into a situation. Um, we had a quote unquote COVID positive person um, that I was working with and 
they were never positive, presumed positive. Um, and when they were tested, they tested and had the serology testing done and they were antibody negative. They never had COVID. Is that being corrected? No. Matter of fact, it's still part of that person's medical record. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I think I've been saying for weeks that, um, I, you know, I'm not one of those people. And I know there's going to, there are going to be people that are going to immediately jump and say, well, these two are just, they're anti-science and they want kids and grandmothers to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, actually, I, I really don't. Um, I think the best thing, well, no, you probably don't want to hear my answer, but I think I could figure out how to get us out of in a matter of about 18 months. But I just want people to understand there's a difference between questioning the data and questioning the, the picture that is being painted by the media. We can still question that and we can still say, hey, you know what? If some of the most vulnerable in our population get sick, we need to do everything we can to protect them. We need to try to protect them from getting sick. All of those things can be true simultaneously. We can want to protect those that are vulnerable. We can treat the, those who have it and take it seriously, those who do get sick. But we can also question the overall picture that's being painted in the media. And just because we happen to question doesn't mean we want grandparents to die. It doesn't mean that we are anti-science. Uh, in fact, you know, a lot of science is built on just questioning it and looking for different answers. I'm not saying that this isn't a bad thing for a, por for a portion of our population, but we are literally turning, I mean, there are people that are literally turning into crazy people because they are so ginned up over this whole thing. Well, and, and I, I don't consider myself anti-science. Actually, I, I'm looking at the scientific data very closely and from a medical perspective. And the fact of the matter is what we are being told is reasonable and prudent protocols for precautions around this disease is not true. That is a false statement. We are way beyond what is reasonable and prudent and we are causing more harm to ourselves. If you the actual science behind unnecessarily wearing a surgical mask you're causing more harm to your body wearing an isolation mask when not necessary on a regular basis than what covid-19 could do to you so let's That's have a little science. let's have a little bit of fun with the whole um with with medical terminology shall we oh okay i'll, I'll play will you play is a new yeah, I'll a, play. a little game Okay. No, this, this could be good. Yeah. So uh, our politically correct society, um, oh, you know, no. there, there are a lot of words that we just can't use anymore. There are phrases and things that we just shouldn't use anymore because they're just not appropriate any longer. Okay. Okay. So we have, so we have gendered language and these are words that we, these are words and phrases we need to get rid of. And there is a list. So I have a list of the gendered language and replacements for that gendered language. So let's, let's okay. start. So breastfeeding, what should breastfeeding be called? What do you think? 
Breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Okay, we're gonna keep this a clean show. You're I'm right. not sure, Lucy. What should we replace breastfeeding with? Chest feeding. Chest feeding? <laughs> no. That's called a tube feed, and it actually goes in. Oh wait. No, okay, sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, I disagree. Continue. <laughs> you disagree. I disagree. <laughs> okay. So, do you see how this works? Yes, I do. I see how this works. All right. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me with okay. another one. Okay. How about female reproductive organs? What wait, should we change? Female with? reproductive organs is female. That? Female reproductive organs. That is not good anymore. So, what should we change that to be? I think. I think we should go to call it. I'm sorry. No, no. Female reproductive organs. So we're not, we're not allowed to say the word vagina, ovary, eggs, uterus. We can't use the phrase female re reproductive organs anymore. So we have to change that phrase. So I, I, how about, I don't know. How about internal reproductive organs? Internal. Reproductive. Internal. internal. So that, that means male or female. So we can't say female reproductive, male reproductive organs anymore. Right. So, so female reproductive organs would be internal reproductive organs. So I'm assuming male reproductive would organs external? would be external reproductive organs. They mean the same thing. But, uh, you know, for the politically correct, you know, this is important. How about uterus or ovaries? We can't say uterus or ovaries anymore. So we should change those to... Well, wait a minute. Aren't those still part of the internal reproductive organs then? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Internal organs. They would just be shortened to internal organs. Okay. So instead of uterus. Internal organs. Okay. That's an internal no. organ. Just that's, that's it. Just internal organ. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, prostate. So men no longer have prostates. They have internal glands. <laughs> Just all of them, right? Because because that's the only gland that a man <laughs> has is just the prostate. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, so I was actually wrong. So, okay, I was, I was wrong here. So I'm using the real terminology, right? The biological terminology. This is, I didn't create this. I did not create this list, people. Wait, if you're listening and you're thinking that I'm a crazy person, I did not create this. I'm reading words off of the screen you so, are a crazy person but that doesn't excuse the fact that you just yeah. mixed them up so okay so, go ahead vulva or clitoris we cannot say those things anymore we now refer to those as external okay. genitals so females can have both internal and external you lost Dude, I, <laughs> I don't i don't i don't make the word i don't make the rules how about female or female or women the words female or women are bad because they are gendered language. So we should change female and, and women to. Not dudes. <laughs> Persons who menstruate. Oh, for crying out <laughs> loud. Well, what happens if they're over 55? Menopause? Yeah. Persons know, who used to could menstruate. Really? Who formerly, who were formerly known as. I don't know. 
How about male or men? So male or men is bad. So we should change that to non-menstruating homo sapien. Close. Persons who produce sperm. Oh, so the fact that we don't menstruate isn't important, but we shoot out baby juice. That's the key focus. Yes. Persons I told who... you a long time ago, that's our only purpose is to right. be yeah. the magic sauce for procreation. So, Persons who produce sperm. Penis or testicles. These are bad language. These are bad words. So we have to change penis or testicles to... Twig and berries. <laughs> <laughs> Franken beans. <laughs> no, that would be incorrect. The correct terminology would be outer parts. Outer parts. This is an outer part. <laughs> My fingers are outer parts. What the about, hell is wrong with it? This, how, okay. how, we're almost done here. How about labia or lips? Those are bad, those are bad words. Labia, lips are bad words. Instead, we should refer to them as outer folds dude i'm just reading i'm just <laughs> reading <laughs> my eyes are getting a little baggy and i got a little so is a wrinkle an outer fold i don't know dude no because okay. that would outer fold is something very specific something very specific how about well, so is lips and labias why do we have to freaking change because that those twice? are gendered gendered terms yes be, because we all you know what no they, they have to I'm be stopped. non-gendered no, they don't. Yes, We're they do. Talking, According no, to the list, they have to be non-gendered. About your list. What I'm talking about when you said <laughs> medical terminology, here's a reality check for everyone out there listening. Write me hate mail. My address can be found at. I don't care. There are two genders in this world. God created no. them. It's a man and a woman. And if you don't like it, crawl back under your rock. No, there there I'm are done. there are an in, in, un, innumerable amount of... There are just an unlimited number of genders. We, it's, we, this has already been proven by these people. Okay. How about menstrual cycle or period? We cannot refer to menstrual cycles or periods anymore because that's gendered language. Instead, we need to refer to them as uterine bleeding. I don't understand how you can you use uterine use here, uterus. You but can't you can't use uterus if you're going to change the word uterus before. I'm just reading it. I'm just mm -hmm. reading it. Yep. pregnant women you cannot say pregnant women pregnant women is bad and we need to replace that with pregnant persons pregnant persons yeah because uh the fact that you can't say pregnant that i mean like that's confusing because you right. might get that confused with a man right oh wait or no right. you can't well yes you could no you can't well, i don't yeah because see a trans man is actually a biological female but trans a trans man could have a baby. So now that is a male having a baby. I don't make up the rules, dude. I just report on this. So, okay, two more. I got two more. Mother. The term mother is bad. Mother needs to be replaced with the phrase birthing person. Oh. You know what's funny is they don't have a father on here. There's no word for actually that that doesn't surprise me I at think all. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, we we actually have heard multiple people talk about the mother. What about adoptive mothers? Um, because they're not the birth 
person. They didn't provide um, the womb or life, which that I think that's a little ostracizing, don't you? Well, I think so too. I think that's very short. I think it's very narrow sided of them. The last one here is women's health care. They don't have one for men's health care. So men's health care, who cares? Well, yeah, we just have internal glands and that's the only thing we matter for is the sperm. Right. We produce sperm. sperm. At this point. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just meat sacks. So women's health care should be changed to sexual health. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, I didn't make these up. Some group called the motherboard. Well, the motherboard can, I'm going to mute myself here real quick. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> stuff, that, was, huh? that was less fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> all right (laughs) all right so why don't we talk about our why don't we get into our topic okay that's a good segue is is there a place for god in today's society apparently there isn't by all the craziness that's especially if we ask the motherboard um yeah because they've decided how everything should be termed so there's obviously no place for for god because oh my that just disgusts me so is there a place for god in today's society Thoughts. You know, looking and reading about the craziness that is happening in the world. When you, when, you know, when I read things like mothers should be referred to as birthing persons, birthing persons day, think about that, right? Not mother's day, but birthing persons day. Um, you, You know, we, we are, we are twisting ourselves into knots, twisting ourselves into pretzels, really, to change our language to appease. I don't know who we're trying to appease. I, I don't know who we are either. I really don't. I, I really don't know who we're trying to appease. Um, you know, I, I do. I believe that there are people who feel in this case, you know, they're born in the wrong body kind of thing. Sure. Um, I believe that those people have some serious issues and that those that they should seek help and they should seek counseling to help them deal with those those issues studies show that the majority of of people who suffer from gender dysphoria there's it's not that they have a problem with their their gender it's that there's some other uh, underlying psychological problem that they're struggling with and they need help Maybe they were abused physically, sexually, emotionally, whichever. Um, they were abandoned or who knows, right? There's some other kind of issue that's happening. So when I look at things like these, that there are people who are suffering these serious ills, and at the same time as a society, we're just trying to accept them and say, it's okay to be, it's okay to, that you have these, these other psychoses, just learn to live with it. And we will accept you. We will accept all of your psychoses and we will just accept you however you are. That's, that's doing such a disservice and injustice to these individuals. So when I see all of this in the world, I think there really does, there really needs to be 
uh, God in society because I think I think society has has or is losing its way. I think um, mankind or humankind, if that lender to all of you out there listening, um, has lost its way in, in a very big way. Um, I I don't believe that church necessarily is for everyone. I'm not here to convert anyone to anything, but to lose sight of a higher power of a God, whatever your God may be to you to lose sight of any kind of guidance, any kind of supreme wisdom. Um, you are dooming yourself and everyone else around who you, whom you influence to being lost in the wilderness of chaos. Um, that I, I, I just, it, it makes my, my heartache. And unfortunately, I think you know, when we said, who are, who are some of these people trying to ease? I don't believe they know either. I, I hear the desperate cries of people who are lost in the literal trying to grab hold of something to believe in. Um, if you choose to believe in whatever God you have, there is some sort of refuge in that oversight, in that overarching wisdom that helps get you through and, and unites a people as a space to that higher power, if you will, that I believe instills a sense of humility and reasonability amongst the people who are believers. I think our society worldwide is desperate to have God brought back into it in whatever shape or form that is. And I'm not saying that should be forced upon the public by um, the state or our schools or any of those institutions. Um, I would just really hope that we would recognize that and maybe not trying to push it out of everything either. So you, you said something interesting just a minute ago. Mm-hmm in in your in your rant there on your soapbox <laughs> <laughs> which one um you you talked about how you mentioned briefly how through god we can bring uh we can bring a sense of order out of the chaos that exists in our lives and i think there are a lot of people who are religious who go to church on a regular basis um Christian, Jews, Jewish, Muslim, whomever. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to include or exclude any type of religion. But if you're a practicing, if you are a practicing believer, I think people who practice their religion, they acknowledge the fact that by going to church and being a practicing uh, religious person, that they are that they are able to make sense of the world around them and they're able to sort of quell that chaos and provide a sense of order and stability uh, to their lives. And in one of our, one of our earlier uh, episodes, um, I talked at length about how, I think it was in our good versus evil discussion, 
<clears throat> are people good or are they inherently evil? And I talked about how the world is essentially um, a swirling mass of chaos. And I talked about how mythologies were a way to share stories, but a way for early civilizations to start making sense of the chaos that was swirling around them and to provide a sense of order. Um, and religion does that same, has that same effect. Now, is it the only way to make sense of the chaos and to provide order? I don't believe so. I think people can, um, they could pick a philosophy that they're going to live by, whether you want to be a stoic or an existentialist or some other philosophy that you want to try to live your life by. Those philosophies tend to encourage you to live a better life and live better within society and get the most value and happiness out of life. Um, but even if you pick a philosophy, and this is where I think people go off the rails on their own, being a religious person is very difficult. It's not easy. It's a challenge. There are a lot of rules that go along with that. There, there's a, there are a lot of requirements and things you have to do to be a practicer or to practice your religion. Well, if you're practicing a philosophy, those philosophies are also very difficult to live by. I think where most people go off the rails is they'll say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And in my opinion, when they say that, that's just a way for them to just sort of say, well, I don't want to deal with all of the rules and the difficultiness and the ickiness of following something and practicing something because that stuff is hard. So I'm going to just, I'm going to just be spiritual so I can do whatever the hell I want to be able to do. And I don't have to worry about anybody telling me wrong. Right. And, and you're kind of picking out the things that you like best. Um, this part makes me feel good. So I like that. This part makes me feel right. good. So I, like you know, actually over in this philosophy and this religion, they say this. And so I'm going to take that too. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being well-versed, but have something you actually believe in and follow is different. You know, I asked a, a brother um, once I saw him and I, I said, uh, you know, you, you're always so, so well-dressed. You're always so dapanair, um, suit and tie. And, and I said, uh, you, do you even own like t-shirts? He's like, oh, <laughs> well, of course I do. But, um, you know, when I'm out, I, I put on a suit and tie have you ever seen somebody act just stupid and like a big jerk in a suit and tie? Put on a suit and tie, you act better. Men act better when they put on a suit and tie. And it was it was interesting as we started talking because we actually did get, have a little bit of a religious discussion, and he's not religious, but that was part of his ritual for him to put him into a humble and ordered mindset when he went out um, for that day or for that night. Well, that's a very similar way of, it's a similar effect of uh, the way churches are designed, right? When you right. walk into a church uh, or you walk into a temple, they're constructed in such a way as to sort of raise your, your perception, raise your consciousness and, and force you <clears throat> based on the grandeur of the place that you're entering into, that there's something greater than you. And if you've ever walked into a very large cathedral uh, and been dwarfed by, its, by the sheer size of it, uh, it puts you in a different state of mind. And I, 
I agree with you in terms of, you know, when you put on a suit, you put on a tuxedo, you walk differently, you treat people differently, you treat yourself differently. And I think right. that's, I think prayer or meditation has, have those same kinds of effects. When you pray, um, you're, you're actively engaged in looking internally and thinking about yourself, others, the world around you, et cetera. But the same effect happens when, when we meditate. If there are people who meditate on a regular basis, the same type of effect can happen. Um, and so these are, these are ways that we bring about our own philosophies and our own beliefs and manifest them into the world about how we're going to behave. And that's really a lot of what religion teaches is about how we're going to behave and interact with, with, with one another. So, no, I, I agree. And, and there is, you know, you don't see a whole lot of fistfights happen inside a church. And I am not saying that everybody who's in that church is not capable or maybe, you know, maybe that might, that might just wait till they get out to the parking lot. Who knows? But what I'm saying is when you actually have a unified and you know, I've, I've run into this color where it's like, well, you're talking about just one religion you're talking about just this religion. No, I am talking about all religions as a whole. I'm, I was raised in the, the Christian faith, and I still consider myself a Christian at heart, but that do, does not keep me from being able to talk to Muslims or to, from, to Jewish people and actually having interesting discussions about various things. It doesn't have to be about religion, but even still, we've been able to talk about God and walk away as friends. Um, I have quite a few friends of different religions, very different religions all over. What I found at least with some sort of and unity in a belief in something higher than ourselves, we have a common ground to be able to meet at. We have a level where we can all meet and discuss things freely and openly as people. And I think we've, in this country right now, we've become so dichotomous in our ideas and our beliefs in those ways, not in a religious way or in any kind of reliance on God. But, I mean, whether it's believing that women are allowed to be women or men are allowed to be men, and it's created such um, a diversity amongst us as people that we're not allowed to discuss anything anymore because God, for, God forbid we should disagree then it's going to create a war and we're, we're seeing i mean honestly we are seeing that right now where we're we're almost at war with each other without sides you know when you were talking about the the um putting on a suit um i thought of the story that i read a few years ago uh and this young black man I think he lived in in Los Angeles. I don't believe he he's passed. I'm referring to him in the past tense, but I don't. I think he's still alive. <laughs> um, he was in his early 20s at the time, and what he did was he uh, he took it upon himself and did this sort of little social experiment. I would love to see this this uh, social experiment done on a larger scale because I would be really interested in the results. So you kind of have to take it as anecdotal because it is only one guy who did this. 
But uh, because he was a young guy, he typically dressed in more, for lack of a better term, kind of like, uh, you know, the hip hop type of dress or style, you know, baggy pants and, you know, Nike high tops, those types of things. And he took a picture of the types of clothes that he wore, him wearing the clothes. And, um, and he, he went out, you know, he dressed normally and he went out into the, into the streets on the streets of Los Angeles and went into more affluent areas, grocery stores, shopping centers, etc. dressed like that. And he paid very close attention to the way he was treated. And he did that for about a week. And then what he did is he changed his attire after that first week and he dressed um, in what would be considered business casual. You know, dockers, nice polo or button up shirt and went back into those same areas. And what he noticed was all people treated him in a much more positive way. And his conclusion from this was that Americans aren't racist, that non-blacks are not racist towards blacks. They, when you, when you dress in such a way where you're interacting and you're presenting your best foot forward, regardless of who you are, people treat you differently. And they weren't patronizing him because he was black and they were white. He never felt that way. But he recognized that, hey, you know what? If you put your best foot forward, then people are going to accept you more or they're going to reach out to you. If you're putting forward, a, uh, you know, you're not your best foot and you're, you, you know, you go out there looking like a thug or like a hoodlum, people are going to naturally be more on their guard, not because they're afraid of blacks per se, but you're obviously coming into that culture as a very counter-cultural icon. And I think if we saw, I think if the same experiment, social experiment were done with even white youths who were dressed as thugs and stuff, I think, but, and then you put them in suits or business casual, I think you would still see that same flip in the reaction that people and how people treat them. And again, I think this is, I would love to see this, this study replicated at a higher level because it's all about putting your best foot forward. And that's what really being a religious person is about. That's what having a belief in God is all about. It's about how do I interact with other members of my society and put my best foot forward so that I'm going to be accepted. And when I look out in society now, we, we have, you know, m many people have lost their way. Many people have turned away from God. They're going out into the world and they're not putting their best foot forward. And then we wonder why people don't accept us. Mm -hmm. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, 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 You've heard the expression, I'm sure everyone has, that the uh, the world's a mirror, right? Yeah. That um, you see you see in the world the things in yourselves, either those are things that you like or things that you dislike. And and I I believe, you know, my dad you really tried to bring us up to pray every day before we left the house uh, for for two reasons. One, you always put on your your armor, as he would say, you put the armor of God on you before you left, and um, but you also reminded yourself that you're one of God's children amongst his world with everyone else. And that allowed him to be more open and more loving to everyone that he came across. And, um, yeah, unlike me was, uh, very well liked by pretty much everybody who knew it. <laughs> I can't say that for sure. I usually work towards that. That's a goal. But, um, 
dad was a pretty um, well-liked guy. And, you know, as far as the, the study you're talking about, you'd love to see it replicated. That's actually been done. Um, oh, has it? Didn't know that. And it's more specifically geared towards the idea of profiling. And I had this discussion with a coworker not long ago um, as she was talking about, she was disagreeing with somebody in, in regards to profiling. And I, and I posed the fact, I said, well, explain to me why profiling is wrong. And I said, I'm not saying it is or isn't, but explain to me it to be wrong. And of course it became a racial discussion very quickly. I said, okay, well, picture this without race. So I had to give her some examples because that's very hard to do. We have been kind of beat down that profiling is all about hey, disagree. Um, I think more to your point or the example you used, um, it's about the presentation of the situation in its entirety. And that in includes the blend. Um, you're walking home from whether it's uh, uh, the library or work or school or the bus stop, doesn't matter. Are you going to go down the well-lit street with a sidewalk? Or are you going to take down the shady, um, dark alleyway? You're probably going to go for the street. Um, if you go down the alleyway, you're probably going to be more on guard than you would have been. It's the first time you've put your phone in your pocket all day so you can actually pay attention to what's around you. That's not wrong. That's you are making a profile of the situation that you are in and recognizing that there is more potential hazards in this situation than the latter. That's not wrong. Um, and it comes, it's the same way with, you know, the people where, whatever you're dressed in. And I don't care if it's a, a, a white person, black person, Mexican person, doesn't matter. Um, you have somebody who looks like a, I think you said thug or a gangster. They've got the baggy pants you know, tattoos, the bandana on or the hat on backwards or whatever it may be. And somebody just taps you on the shoulder and says, excuse me, your first reaction is going to be your immediate judge of the profile of the situation. And if that's your first encounter, your reaction may be to take an immediate step back and then move, move along. If you have somebody in a suit and tie, um, briefcase, you know, says, excuse me. Oh, startled me. Yeah. What can I do for you? Your reaction changes based on the profile of that situation. It has nothing to do with race or anything else. It really does. It's, it's a survival instinct built into who we are as a, a species. So per, that's not really necessarily wrong. And yes, that experiment was done. Um, I believe it, uh, I want to say it was Yale, but I could be wrong. One of the uh, Ivy League schools actually did that on campus, oddly enough. Um, and the results were overwhelming. But with that same being said, a, an actual dress which invokes a better profile, or mentally you put on a better dress to go out into public um, I believe that change in profile um, could become very apparent to you. I know I, I've done that experiment um, myself many times, and I'm surprised. I don't know how, but <laughs> I'm even surprised at uh, um, the difference in my day and in interaction with people that I have when I actually am a little bit better about doing my normal invocation in the morning 
versus when I'm not. So we talked a little bit about the positive side or the need for, you know, God being in society, but there are other people that say, you know what, there are, there is no need for, for God in, um, in our society. And many of those times, many of those people will point to the times where religion has, um, caused strife and caused heartache. Um, I know there are a lot of people who love to point at Christianity and talk about, um, you know, the crusades, um, oh, sure. of course. you know, the inquisition t- type of thing, you, but all religions have done this to, to some degree, to some social group or another, right? There are a lot of people who, uh, who, who lash out against Israel versus what's happening with, with Palestine and the West bank, for example. So I think all religions have, have some kind of, of dark side to them. And, uh, one of the, you know, my, my response to that is there's a difference between the philosophy and the belief system versus the people that head up those philosophies and belief systems. So just because, um, just because there are bad people at the helm of a religion or, or who are making decisions on behalf of a religious group, for example, that doesn't necessarily mean that the religion is ne- is is bad or that religion is uh, religion should be done away with or that God should not exist in our society anymore. And, and I, I like, I, w- I would like to think people can differentiate between the two, but I think this is one of those situations where people get so ingrained in their own belief system that they refuse to look beyond that. Um, and, you know, liberalism, for example, in this country, to me, is another is another example of a religion. You have you have radical adherence to that ideology, um, and and it can do some very devastating things. And they they hold on to it like a faith. And when when people say their religion is the religion of science, the first thing I think of is, well, you probably know very little about how science is conducted to begin with, if you're saying that. Um, and science, while there is a belief system, while, and we call those things in science typically theories or hypotheses, for example, um, there are people that just, you know, if, if a study comes out, they latch onto that like it's, it's their new Bible, like it's a new book to their Bible, and they hold on to it, with, hold on to it tightly. So I think we have, we have, we have uh, organized religion that has been sort of replaced by political ideology today. Um, and that to me is very scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, and we, we discussed a little bit about substitutes for rites of passage mm-hmm. in our last episode. And I think one of the things that we kind of touched on a little bit is how religious institutions or churches can um, provide for that need to some point. And if that is not present, um, especially in our youth, they're going to find that in some other group. And that is how, um, whether it's uh, you know liberalism or the the these movements become almost religious or cultish in their indoctrination of those people into those groups. And keep in mind, you know, when we're looking at God versus religion. This is an, an actual, uh, I guess, kind of a, a tear down or drop down idea. 
you have God, which actually religions all over the world, whatever God that would be. It's a very encompassing idea. Um, God and, and even say a, um, a divine creator or a supreme being, whatever that is. Then you've got a religion um, which focuses on one particular aspect of or their God. And then under that, you've got churches and many different denominations. And then you, you've also got other offshoot groups, and, and those are what are sometimes referred to even as extremists. And I've seen extremists in every religion um, throughout history. We, and we've talked, we've heard a lot about them. Uh, the extremist idea is, uh, when it comes to like the Muslim faith. Um, but let's be honest, the Crusades was an extremist movement amongst um, the Christian faith. The um, um, persecution of Lutheranism as it broke away from Catholicism was an extremist movement by King Henry. The, uh, I'm not sure which one. No, sorry. My, my but um, there's been an extremist idea. And if, if we don't have some sort of overall idea that God has a place, then we're going to end up creating offshoot religion in some way, shape, or form, probably not by choice and without any kind of sense of organization through that chaos. You know, one of the things that we used to have in terms of like, from, from a government perspective, you go back you know, hundreds of years, um, you had, we, when, when countries were ruled by monarchs, you know, the monarchs, they were the titular head of the, of the government, but those monarchs, they still were beholden to a higher power. Mm -hmm. And because they were beholden to a higher power, there was, um, there was an obligation that they be that they practice that religion and they follow the tenets of that religion so that they could treat their subjects in a way that is respectable according to the religion now did that always happen not necessarily um and and history has judged those types of kings and queens very harshly mm -hmm. uh, those who went against that but for those kings and queens who did uphold the religious tenets of their of, of their country's faith systems um then the population often looked very kindly upon those, those monarchs. Um, and what I fear is we're in a, you know, in our country today, a country that was established by religious means Not now it wasn't integrated into our, our form of government, but the people that established our country and established our form of government were very religious people at the time. And now we're moving away from that. And, and it has to, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And so now we have ideology, which is creeping in and filling that. It's another reason why I think God belongs in our society, or at least something. What, however we define God, that's up for debate. We can, we can define that in many different ways. If you want to think of it in a Judeo-Christian belief system, or even if you want to think of it in terms of a philosophical belief system, whatever. But there is a need for that in our society because if there's not, if there's not that higher power, if there's not that higher sense of belief system that we're going to be held accountable to, then the only thing that, that, is, that we are then held accountable to becomes the state. Right, right. And, and, 
and that all of our rights and things like that flow from the state. And that is a dangerous area for us to go into, especially in society. Which is, is, was really the intent behind the separation of church and state. And that's, that's where I keep going back to this, this idea. Well, church and state should be separate. Yes. In the sense that the, the, the state or the, the occupying government of whatever you're in, it should not tell you when, where, or how, or to what you must practice your belief to, nor should they be a substitute therefore. And I believe that was actually the intention. Unfortunately, by removing not just the church, but also the religious belief and God as a whole from our livelihood and our lives, um, you're actually you're actually breaking that obligation by saying that you are forcing me, um, that I'm not allowed to um, worship where I choose because you're telling me where and when it's not appropriate, what I can and cannot say. That's compelled, that's compelled faith. That's just, that's worse than compelled speech. Um, and yeah, with, without, with that void and actually creating it, you are opening yourself up to, um, demonic or otherwise other influence, excuse me, demonic, um, other influence and God knows what is going to step into place. You know, when, um, a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was looking at social media and there were people who, um, you know, they, they, they proclaim themselves as, as atheists. I don't really have anything necessarily against atheists, but they're also, these people at the time were also um, proposing a return to gulags. And they were talking about um, how gulags were not as, not, not as bad as people think they were. Um, and the reason why they were bringing this up in terms of gulags was because they were, in essence, they were looking at other people in this country um, who did not have the right thoughts or did not do the right type of thinking. And these people should be sent to the gulags for re-education because a lot of the time, a lot of time gulags during, uh, during communist Russia were used, um, you know, for re-education uh, for political prisoners and, and things of that nature. Um, and that is a frightening, that is a very, very frightening thing to me. I mean, this is ideology um, filling that void of, uh, of uh, higher power, of moral tenets and all of that sort of thing. Um, and if, if you think that the gulags probably weren't that big of a deal, and there are a lot of people who have no idea what happened in the gulags, because it really- What, it's, a, what a gulag even is, probably. Right. It, it, it's really not something that is, that is taught in our education system. There's a really excellent book um, by an author named Anne Applebaum called, and the book is titled Gulag, A History. And she did um, extensive research on the gulags. She interviewed uh, dozens of people who actually served in the Russian gulags at the time. And she told, she tells a lot of their stories in this particular book. And just to give you an idea of how terrible these gulags were, there were, um, imagine living in such deplorable conditions, in such hellish conditions, um, starving and having to work all around the clock. Essentially, the prisoners of the gulags were free labor for, um, 
for the communists in Russia. Uh, they were building railroads, they were mining, they were you know, you know, cutting down trees for lumber, all these sorts of things. But imagine being so overworked, uh, so malnourished, and living in, in rooms that are only meant to house like three or four people, and yet there are 20 or 30 people crammed into the room um, where you're not allowed to sleep. Imagine living in such hellish, hellish conditions that you wanted to commit suicide and the only way to try to commit suicide was to actually gnaw at your wrists with your teeth. You didn't have anything to slit your own wrists. And there were people, not just one, pe one person, where, but several people of different gulags who literally tried to commit suicide by chewing at their own wrists, hoping that they would be able to bleed out. Uh, there was another story, just atrocious, where these prisoners were forced to work in the in the forests collecting lumber, and it was so cold because this was all up in Siberia, and it was so cold, and they had um, you know frostbite and everything, but they were they were forced to work ungodly hours, and they were so exhausted, they were so exhausted from the work and the torture that they were having to be put through that they voluntarily cut each other's hands and feet off, feet off so that they could get a break. Imagine have, facing such harsh conditions that you were willing to chop your own hands and feet off just so that you could stop working and rest. This is the kind of stuff yeah. that happened in the gulags. But now we have people that have and no the idea. They don't. They have no idea that that, that kind of stuff existed or they're like yeah, yeah okay sure yeah that was a thing no it's not just you know one person this happened a lot and it was everywhere and it was known and people here really do think well that was you know hundreds of years ago and it was on the other side of the world and that would never happen here it can happen here people are calling for it here that's what socialism and communism can do and when people actually start wanting that that's why i say you know what we have a desperate need for a belief in god and god does have a place i am not telling you that the um president or congress or anybody should ever come out and say we need to have mass worship every saturday Saturday or Sunday as a entire nation and everybody has to get down there and pray to God for an hour. I'm not saying that's what we have to do, but we do as a people have to be willing to say that, yes, God has a place and that's not a bad thing. And people can do that and should feel free to do that, to worship whatever God else we start believing in something truly evil and we are close yeah i i it's very scary how i i think how close we can be or, and how close we may be because we have a large group of people in this country who have turned away from religion who have embraced ideology and they have nothing guiding their actions uh they have nothing guiding their behavior uh and they look at their own at, at their own countrymen and they look at their own at other humans and they say, you know what? 
the gulag wasn't so bad. Maybe we should put you in there for re for re-education because you clearly are guilty of wrong think. You're you're clearly guilty of not thinking the right way. And so we should we should ostracize you and we should get rid of you. Well, and um, look at look at the uh, reaction to the guy in um, Walmart or Target or wherever he was. Um, if if they had the opportunity to throw him in cuffs and send him out of there because he didn't want to wear a mask or God forbid he he walked the wrong way down the aisle. Oh my God! Yeah, let's let's handcuff him and send him for reeducation. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's a, uh, it's very scary. Um, and I, I think that, I think, I think that's the reason why I, I think if anything, um, I think that's why we need, we need religion. I think we, that's why we need God. At least we need some kind of idea or some kind of concept. Now I don't think it should be mandated. No. I'm not saying no. that. I don't, I don't believe that government should put together a, a, a religion and force everybody to be a part of that. But I think people need to find that because the only way that people can, you know, there are a lot of protests that are happening right now. People are trying to march for change and all of this kind of, kind of stuff. And, and the only way that change can really, uh, can really take root and, and take effect for whatever cause it is that you believe in is if you make individual choices and you change your own individual behavior and if enough people change their individual behavior, uh, then the world begins to change. If people yeah. start acting and behaving differently, and all they have to do is govern themselves. They don't have to govern anybody else. So I think people should return or think about where is it that they get their principles? Where do they get their values? What, are the, what do they mean? Why do they have those particular values? Why those values and principles and not some other values and principles? And how do those values and principles guide your behavior when dealing with other people? Um, you know, one thing that one thing to keep in mind, uh, and I think a lot of people need to should really think about this is, you know, there are there are we we know psychologically speaking, we know from from a lot of research that young people are very very low in conscientiousness, but very very high in openness, mm-hmm. and yet as you get older that flips. As you yep. get older, you get lower in, you, you develop lower qualities or lower characteristics of openness, but you increase in conscientiousness. And conscientious, conscientiousness is that, that human trait that allows us to live in society and to govern our own actions and to interact with people. Um, you know, the people, all three of those people that were in Walmart from that video that we saw probably would score very low on conscientiousness. Um, because it's through conscientiousness that if you're high in conscientiousness, you're not going to, your first reaction is likely not going to be pull out my camera and pull out my phone so I can record an argument and watch me get into an argument with a guy. If you're high in conscientiousness, you're going to leave that person alone and go your own way because that's how you interact in society. And that's how you become a, just a decent person interacting with other decent people is when higher people in high levels of conscientiousness interact with one another. We can do away with a lot of that governing. And, and I would be really interested to see the effects of a lack of a lack of religion or a lack of a belief system and what that actually does to conscientiousness, if that causes it to lower um, or if there's some other variable at play. I don't know the answer to that, um, but I would certainly love to investigate that further.
Yeah, well, and and I think you know when we our very first episode when we talked actually our first was about honor, but um, uh, we we talked about values and and we've brought that up multiple times, and and really I think that's the um, that's the theme for our first season, right? Um, and I openly admit that a lot of my values, um, honesty, integrity, um, rectitude of conduct, um. Humility, those things are rooted in a um, humility before God. I, I believe that a lot of those are rooted in a religious upbringing that I was brought up in. Um, and that, that shouldn't make them wrong. And I think that that's actually very common with most people. And if you don't have something overarching to actually set that foundation, to set those values and principles in your life, then they're more easily waverable. And I think that becomes a really dangerous and, or rough and rugged road to walk on. You are trying to rationalize how important your values and principles are to you as a person. All right. Well, any, uh, any uh, last thoughts on this whole topic before we put it all to rest? Um, no, not well, oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess I do. Okay. <laughs> you know, and you, you said it, I said it, I'll say it one more time. It is not the state's place to, to uh, mandate, um, a religious upbringing for me or anyone else, but I don't believe it's their place to tell me no either. And you know, that's, that goes the same with, um, kind of to your point with what you're saying, if you want to impart change and make an effectual change, do not mandate anyone out there to placate you for the sake of placating you. Otherwise, you're not affecting any change. And what I see happening in society right now, and pick a movement, doesn't matter which, there is a whole world bending over backwards to try and placate for the sake of just getting you to go away. If you want to make an effectual change, change internally here with me first, then you will naturally affect your neighbors and those you interact with. And when that becomes an effectual change for them, it will spread. That's how change happens. Um, trying to mandate or force is, it's just going to create placation and you're not going to actually set a foundation based on a true value. So, well, good. Right. Well, I think we did a, I think we did a good job at least talking about it for a little bit. Hopefully we've given people some things to think about. Um, on a different note, just before we close the show out, I want to let people know that um, we're, we're kicking around this idea. There's this thing called extra life and it doesn't occur until November, uh, November 7th of 2020. For those who don't know uh, what, what extra life is all about. It's a, um, it's a, fundraiser. It's a charitable fundraising event. It's been going on now for a few years, um, probably almost almost 10 years now, I think. I think it's in its eighth or ninth year. Um, but uh, if you play games, if you play whether it, they don't have to be just tabletop games, they can be video games. A lot of people who, who uh, play video games uh, participate in Extra Life. You can do tabletop games like D&D or any other types of tabletop games. You can, hell, it can be like Monopoly for for crying out loud. Uh, so it can be any number of these things. And basically what it is, is you, there's a, uh, a donation page. You can donate to the page. The money is, does go to raise 
funds for children's hospitals. Um, I've actually created a page yet. We haven't done anything with this in terms of kicking it off entirely, so I'm just kind of planting the seeds. Uh, but we do have a team page for Fusion Underground. I've always wanted to participate in this, um, in, in this thing called Extra Life, um, and I'm glad I found out about it early. I remembered it early uh, so that we can start planning for it. So we're going to have more in the coming weeks talking about Extra Life and getting ready for it. Not sure. we've, we've got some ideas kicking around. We're going we're gonna to see what we can do with it um, and just have some fun. And not really sure how this is going to play out, but um, hopefully if you're listening, you want to give a couple bucks. And we're not asking for a lot, even if it's just like one or two dollars, just one or two bucks. Um, give it for the kids. It, does, it will go to uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital. So it is for those of you, you know, we're in Arizona. For those who are in Arizona, it does go to a good cause and a local cause. Um, so we'll have more about that in the coming weeks. I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, as for the podcast, be sure to check us out on the web on the web at fusionunderground.net. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash AZ Fusion Underground. You can find us on YouTube. If you go to the website fusionunderground.net, you can find links to everything there. Um, all of the different episodes, audio, all of the audio feeds, and you can uh, catch us on um, pretty much anywhere where you can find uh, audio podcasts. So uh, we're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Give us a you know rank the rank the show that helps us out. Um, and uh, if you're watching it on YouTube or on BitChute, be sure to like the show. Um, that helps us out there. So. I think that's about it. Thanks for watching, everybody. I'm Manuel Ramirez for Jason Moret. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Take care. Have a good night.